Welcome to Rope Access Tips, Tricks and Chats. I'm your host Lee Greenwood and I'd like to say welcome to this episode. This week we're carrying on with Ladies of Rope Access. We've got Nikki Gregory who's coming to join us, have a bit of a chat. She's down in Melbourne, been working in Rope Access since the mid-90s. Managed to get into Rope Access because of the number nine. Bit of a strange one, but have a listen out for that. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, please do press the appropriate buttons on whichever platform you happen to be listening on. But in the meantime, let's get on with a chat with Nikki. So, hi, Nikki. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to hook up with us. How are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Good to talk to you. So you're down in uh, in freezing cold Melbourne, uh, I believe, at the moment. It is definitely freezing cold at the moment. It's shocking. <laughs> the weather has turned, and I can't see any um, sun in the horizon. Uh, you've just got the. Uh, I'm sure people from around the world are suffering, you know, and thinking it can't be that bad in uh, in Australia. But it seems <laughs> that as soon as it drops below 20 degrees, all the Aussies get a little bit soft and cold. So that's all right. Oh yeah, yeah. Put me on that list. That's for sure. Excellent. So um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into rope access? Uh, Obviously, you're a level three now, but just tell us about how it all sort of started. Um, I first got into rope access was because phone numbers had changed in Melbourne and across Australia, I believe. But uh, for Melbourne and Victoria, we had a number nine put in front of our phone numbers. And when that happened, uh, my background is I'm a sign writer. That's my trade. So I um, was introduced to a guy who was in the rope access game, working for a company called Vertigo. Um, A lot of people know him. His name's Andy Pollitt. And he was looking for someone that would be able to put a number nine in front of phone numbers on some of the buildings. That was in 95 back then. Phone numbers were on buildings. There was no website. So, um, yeah, so I got into it through Andy. Um, and basically stayed with 30 go for quite a while after that. Um, yeah, just it went from putting on number nines on phone numbers to every other job that they did, which was um, a lot of advertising. We did a lot of skin sites back then, um, lightning protection on buildings, um, telecommunication discs on top of buildings. We did all sorts of funky stuff back then. It was pretty cool. So that's how I got into it. That sounds pretty cool. So for... People listening in, uh, Vertigo are a, uh, one of the original players, um, the original Irata member company uh, down in uh, Melbourne in Victoria that have been running around for quite a long time. Seems that most people who got into rope access back in the early days uh, started at the uh, the Big V, as they lovingly were, were known then and are still known as today. That's it. And um, so starting uh, back in 95, were you... Uh, were you running around with uh, a qualification then? Was it turn up on site? And- no. Nah. Yeah, there was no qualification for us back then. Um, one of the guys basically gave you a rundown, how to abseil down a rope, how to climb back up a rope, and all the extra bits were kind of worked out as you went. <laughs> we had some talented guys, though. There was a lot of climbers that were in the industry back then. And, uh, you know, they tend to come up with some great ideas and techniques and um, I'm sure a lot of it was educated to some extent. And, um, yeah, so that's what we did. So it wasn't until uh, probably uh, close to 10 years later I um, got a qualification and that was the Australian Standard, the ARAA, and then it was another year or so before I got IRADA. 
purely because I didn't know any better and I was just going with um, what I was told or what I'd heard from people. So, yeah, otherwise I probably would have jumped on Irata a lot sooner, being that they've got a, a really good guidelines on how things work. So, But that was then and, you know, you do what you do because that's what you've been told. Yep, fair enough, fair enough. So spent quite a, most of your time running around uh, around Melbourne. Have you? Uh, did you move into into other areas? Sort of once you got your Arada ticket, or were you just staying around Melbourne? Did you head west like a lot of people in Australia? Well, for quite a oh, for about ten years, I had a full time gig at Vertigo. So for a lot of people, having a it was a valued position. Um, being a full timer in rope access was pretty rare. So I hung on to that for as long as I could. And we used to do a bit of interstate work anyway. So we worked on power stations and coal terminals and things like this um, interstate. So I was pretty happy with that. But eventually, yeah, I did get the WA bug and um, ran off to a, a gas plant in a place called Barrow Island in over in the west. And, um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed that for the place it was. It was an amazing, amazing place. Um, being a class uh, class A nature reserve, um, so the animals there were the attraction for me in a lot of ways. Um, we worked uh, on a jetty over the water, watching the sharks and the, all the other fish come through and um, sea life and, and birds, and it, yeah, that was pretty spectacular place to be, I reckon. I was, and without rope access, I wouldn't have got that opportunity, I'm sure. So, yeah. That's awesome. So was that on a, uh, were you doing fly-in, fly-out on Barrow or uh, how was that working? Yeah, fly-in, fly-out. Um, started off, there was, I think it was 28 days on, eight days off or something like that. And then it slowly got better and better and to the point where it was two and two, two weeks on, two weeks off. Yeah, so there for the construction mainly and then a little bit of the maintenance later on. Yep. But yeah, it was, it was a good gig, something different. Yeah, nice. The uh, the twenty six and nine, the uh, the divorce swing or the suicide swing, as it got known. Um, yes, seen a lot of people working on that one. You need to be in the with your partner, husband, wife, whoever it might be. You need to be in the right headspace to uh, take on one of those swings. Definitely. Yes, definitely. Yes, yeah. I was trying times for everyone. Yeah, definitely <laughs> get that. Chasing the dollars, chasing the dollars, and so uh, so. What are you doing now? Um, you stepped away from WA and back in Melbourne or what's happening now? Back in Melbourne, um, I did get out of rope access uh, on and off for the last uh, two years. I've been doing groundwork, so to speak, um, working for carpenters as a trade assistant, basically, but that's to get me out of the cold. That's the main reason behind that. Um, but yeah, I keep going back to rope access. It's one of those things. At the moment, I'm back at Vertigo. Um, uh, working casually for them on a building site, doing bits and pieces. Other than that, I do a little bit of training as I'm needed. That's not a, a full-time gig for me. So it's just a, you know, hey, Nick, are you available next week or the week after? Can you come and help us out on a training week? So I do a bit of that. Because you are, um, as many of the listeners may know, I'm on this uh, on this trail to track down the Elucid 8 female uh, level three instructors that we have within the Arada system and you are one of those females which is uh, which is great to have a chat with you just to get the uh, the other gender aspect on uh, how the industry is and how it is training so um so how do you find the the training side compared to the sort of working on site which you've obviously done for 
quite a few years now, well over 20 years. Um, well, working on site, you're pretty much you're doing whatever the client wants to some extent. You know, they're dictating how it's going to happen in some ways anyway. I think the training's totally different because you've got a bunch of people that actually want to know what you've got to say. Um, they'll, they'll listen to everything you've got to say because they want to learn. They're there because they've chosen to be. So it is good in that way. I, I mean, I enjoy training people, trying to give them new ideas on how to do things or uh, just run them through things. I mean, it's not perfect every day. I won't say it's the dream job forever because there are days where I just get frustrated. But um, most of the time you meet a really good bunch of people that are willing to learn and really want to learn something new and they're excited about it, which makes it so much easier for yourself because then you're excited to teach them. Yeah, definitely agree with that. The uh, One of the nice things about training in uh, in Australia, having trained at various locations around the world, a lot of the guys are self-funded, so they're investing you know, close to $2,000 for a week's worth of training, so that seems to motivate them. They actually want to be there. Um, you can find if, if individuals are... Uh, being paid by their company to get into the industry and they're not really into it, they can be definitely the, the ones that are harder to, to train and get involved with. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it makes a massive difference that they're keen. So um, with the working out there in the in the field back in the mid-90s all the way through the 2000s, um, have you had the pleasure of working with many females or is it, have you found it being a a male-dominated industry or? Yeah, it's male-dominated. I must admit, back in the earlier days, I probably worked with more females, which most people are surprised about. Um, when I first started Vertigo, there was probably half a dozen of us that were female and um, it was probably a dozen guys. So it was we were roughly a third of the, um, the group. What have you done with them all, Nikki? I don't know. They, I don't know if they all just got smarter or what happened, but they just all went. <laughs> and I mean, I know that one of them went off and become a paramedic, and, um, and I'm not really sure. Some went off travelling and things like that. So they found other things to to fill their lives with. And um, but yeah, we there was a few females around, and then there was nothing for quite a long time, and then. Yeah, females started getting back into it and coming from really different backgrounds, which is great. They weren't necessarily coming in with um, a trade, although some did, of course, but it was interesting to see, you know, they had the same idea of getting into it as some of the guys that I've come come across. So I've come across guys that were, say, a barista, and they've said, oh, I saw these people abseiling outside the building and thought, yeah, that would be cool. What, how would I get into that? And they've got into it. And the same kind of thing for females have just seen it happening or heard something about it for their friends and gone, yeah, I'll give that a go and then have got into it, which is still another good way to get um, a good group of people to work with because, again, they're, they're self-motivated. They want to do it. They're excited. So, yeah, they're generally good to work with. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely interesting about the um, about the, having a lot of females around uh, back at the start. I had a sort of similar start with the uh, in rope access back when I started in the late eighty uh, late nineties. There was um, 
you know, the company I worked for, uh, one of the owners was a female and uh, one of the main level threes who worked on projects was a female as well. So I was sort of exposed to females in the sort of supervisor level from uh, from day one as a brand new level one, which is, uh, you know, so I sort of have a slightly different view to a lot of, or different experience to a lot of people that are out there in uh, in people saying it's sort of not that female uh, run industry, but my first experiences were that there was, you know, they were the main people I was dealing with on a daily basis, which is, and yours seems pretty similar, which is pretty cool. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah, definitely. And I'll, uh, I'm still trying to track down a couple of these females that I've worked with. But talking about the training side and more females coming into it, at the moment I'm uh, I'm just started another training course. So this is uh, course number three in four weeks. This week I've got a uh, female going for level two. Last week I had two brand new level one females and the week before I had another female on the course. So it uh, seems that they're, uh, I wouldn't say every course, but sort of definitely every second course, but these last three courses, there's uh, more females coming into the industry, which is all, all moving up through the levels, which is great to see. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Yeah, that's good. So with the uh, all of these jobs you've done, I don't want to make you sound too old, but in this quarter of a century uh, rope access career that you've had. Um, well, that did it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what's the? Uh, what would you say has been the best job or jobs? I won't restrict you to one that you've worked on with all of the different stuff that you've done. Um, well, this is a hard one. There are quite a few good jobs. Um, what one that sticks out? I think maybe Price Waterhouse Coopers building. We put up um, signs on the the top of the building, and they were massive. I wish I could remember how big they were, but they were massive. At the end of the job, we uh, got a photo. There was four, four or five of us that were on the job pretty much all the way through, and we got a photo of ourselves standing inside the letters. And um, so that that shows how big the, the letters were. But it was a great job because it was really a lot of technical um, rigging involved. Um, just yeah, it was quite a funky job for that reason. And it, and it went on for a good two to three months. Um, it was really impressive build. It was good. It was a really good job to be on. Other than that, there was um, power stations. Um, there was one in Queensland and a couple in Victoria where we we did some remedial works on the cooling towers. But the access to get there in the first place was via chopper. So we got helicoptered in, uh, hover, exit out of the chopper, um, spent most of the day setting up a, uh, oh, kind of think of what to call it, swing stage. And then um, we abseiled down and most of that abseil was out in the open without touching anything. It was about 100 metres and, um, yeah, so most of which was out in the open. It was a good little job. Uh, we did that a few times. Um, at the MCG, we did uh, some work on Commonwealth Games when that come through. That was cool because we were there for quite a long time and we were part of setting up um, a rigging system across the whole of the MCG so the acrobats could do their bit for the opening ceremony and uh, they had a big tram run across the the field. Um, So that was fun, flying foxing across the, the MCG, setting up cables 
Um, and then back at the MCG just recently installing um, speakers, massive, I think they're about one tonne each speaker and um, setting up them up in the uh, rafters. They've been fun. That was a fun job. There has been a lot of fun jobs actually when I think about them, but, yeah, they're probably the ones that stand out the most. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, I was chatting to uh, Chris, who I'm sure you were working with on the speaker's job. I called up with him yes. recently and he said he was enjoying sticking those speakers in and it's a... Uh, Seems it seems to be a place that uh, Vertigo head back to every few years. There's something going on, but it yeah. must have been must have been pretty cool to be there doing the stuff for the Commonwealth Games and then seeing it all happen on the on the TV or whatever uh, when the com- when the opening ceremony we was there and seeing all the rigging that you set up. That must have been quite uh, satisfying. Yeah, that was great. That was that was a really um, a big job for me at the time. I think. Um, one of those jobs where I went out and got my riggers ticket because they were, weren't going to let me do particular parts of the, the job. So it was like, well, I need my riggers ticket to do this part of the job. So went off to get it, which um, I remember that just being a big deal at the time, having to set myself up, educate myself in that way to improve my uh, job prospects. So that was a bit of fun. Excellent. And I'm sure that stood you in good stead since those days with a lot of the stuff that goes on over west they seem to want that ticket on a regular basis as well yeah this is true yeah nice and this um so you're on this power station i'm interested in that on the calling tower yep. um hover exit you're gonna have to talk us through that tell us how that one works you're attached to a helicopter and then you're not exactly how does that work yeah so you're attached to the helicopter um, and then clip onto rigging that we had already installed on the uh, the frame that was already frame was put onto the cooling tower rim to start with, and then we hovered over to it, attached to the frame. And as soon as you were attached to the frame, someone was pulling a cord so that you were no longer attached to the helicopter. So it. It, to some extent, I guess you were relying on the person to get that right. But, um, yeah, the team we had, I've had 100% confidence in the people that we work with. So, yeah. And then you jumped out. But the thing they didn't warn me about the first time we jumped out is the static shock you'll get from the uh, the blades of the helicopter. So as soon as you hit that bit of metal as you jumped out, you just got this slam in your legs like, it felt like someone had hit you with a sledgehammer. So that wasn't a warning that you got. And uh, after that, yeah, we really thought about how we did it. <laughs> it yeah, scared the hell out of you in the way that you wanted to jump back in. That sounds uh, sounds pretty hairy being attached to a, a calling tower and a uh, helicopter. And uh, one could go one way and one won't move at all. So that would have been, uh, yeah, you need some definite um, decent um, procedures to to make that all happen smoothly. I know they happen quite often now around Australia, but yeah, sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, it was definitely an exciting job. So who um, were some of the characters that you were playing around with on these jobs? Uh, who was uh, playing on the choppers with you and stuff like that? Uh, James Keeley, um, Kevin Redican. Is that Kevy Copter, as he's known that's, locally? That's it, Kevy Copter. <laughs> I'm working with Kev at the moment. It's been fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, we always had a good group. Um, Scott Appleby, Matt Burkett, they were the 
the main ones that we used each time. Um, Graham Jones was part of the crew of setting it up and, and Jeff Little. Um, Jeff Breach, he had a big deal with, big part of it. Um, they were the main people I can think that were on the job at the time. It's like a who's who of vertigo, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, all the long-termers. That's it, yeah, excellent. I've had the pleasure of working with most of those guys over the years, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Leading me on to my uh, my next question, um, if I could organise the uh, Back to the Future DeLorean, the time machine, and send you back to that, um, that 1995 You've uh, you've just had Andy Pollock uh, convince you that it's a good idea to abseil down a rope to go and write a number nine on various buildings around Melbourne. Uh, what advice would you give yourself if, I'm not sure if you'd listen to yourself, but if I could send you back, <laughs> what piece of advice would you give yourself as that brand new rope access technician? Oh, this was a hard, this is a hard question to, to answer. I, oh, things that I could think of, that I would would have helped me back then would have been education, as in getting yeah, the rope ticket. As soon as I heard about it, I should have got a rope ticket. Um, I resisted thinking, oh, I don't need it because I've got people that are showing me how to do all these funky things. Um, but rope ticket, I write a ticket. Um, riggers, getting that a bit earlier so I wouldn't have missed out on a couple of jobs that I did. I would have got my bosey it quicker. Um, so I could have jumped on the oil tanker that we worked on out in Bass Strait. I did get it, but it, it just seems like I was right on the arse end of everything, so it would have been nicer to get some of these tickets earlier. Um, other than that, I don't know, just enjoy it. I, I mean, I did enjoy it, so I probably don't need to give myself that advice. I thought I had the best job ever. I couldn't believe that um, there was a job of abseiling. Like I didn't realise that it even existed before I spoke to Andy. And when I did hear about it, I just thought, that's ridiculous. People do this for a job. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I really did enjoy it. So uh, other advice? Um, hey, that sounds, that sounds good. Uh, it's not dissimilar to what a lot of people say, you know, making sure you're getting good qualifications, you're getting those skills. So it... it um, at the open doors, you know, as you've said, if you get your IRADA qualification, that could open doors. If OCAT could open different avenues, even though you're still doing ropes, you could have been, you know, uh, Vertigo had the, a lot of the offshore stuff down in the Bass Strait, and then, uh, you know, that can open up doors all over the world for you. So that's uh, that's awesome. And uh, hopefully, you've, if you could, I'll see if I can organise it, you can go back and, uh, and tell yourself all of this. And um, <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think it's going to help with your exit plan, though. I think you've... Uh, You've stepped away from uh, rope access a couple of times, but it seems to just suck you back in yeah. quite easily without, uh, you know, somebody says, oh, we've got this cool job on the MCG, hanging some speakers, boom, Nikki's back <laughs> on the team. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really take much, I don't think. <laughs> it's probably too easy. Yeah. Although winter comes around and I do get reminded why I don't do it as much as I used to. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, it does get pretty chilly down in Victoria, which a lot of people won't understand, but that's great. <laughs> it does. Well, thanks, Nikki. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to come in and have a chat with us. As I say, I'm uh, I'm looking to get some varied people in, uh, trying to track down um, all of these elusive uh, female Level 3 instructors um, and see how and where they got into the industry. So, yeah, thanks for taking the time. 
No worries. My pleasure. Good to talk to you, Lee. Always a pleasure to chat to you. Hopefully when uh, when I get down to Melbourne again, we'll try and catch up and definitely have a chat. And uh, you can show me some of your latest artwork because I know you're still, uh, even though you're a songwriter from way back, I know you've got some airbrushing skills that you still use every now and then. Uh, good to see you. <laughs> this is true. I'm actually working on a seat at the moment. My, uh, my latest seat to, to work, to sit on for ropes and I'm prettying it up with a bunch of flowers and stuff all over it. So, <laughs> is that is that for one of the blokes that you work with at work, or is that for you? <laughs> it's for me. Okay, nice. I'm sick of doing it for them because none of them use it. They always go and put it up on a wall somewhere. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you stay safe, and I will uh, I will catch up with you soon for sure. Thanks again no for worries. your time. Well, thanks again, Nikki. That was great to catch up with you. Somebody who's been doing rope access for well over. 20 years great to hear some of those stories about where you've been how you got into it painting number nines on the side of buildings which is uh, pretty interesting i think it'll be uh, websites and email addresses these days but back in mid 90s that extra number nine was needed on all those buildings so that was your break which is great and pretty interesting story about the helicopter hanging out with the guys from vertigo and uh jumping out that helicopter oh yeah don't forget that you're going to get a bit of a zap when you jump off so there's a really good tip for anybody that's lucky enough to be doing some rope access and having to uh, use a helicopter to get access another call for action for you guys uh, find us on facebook It'd be great to hear from you if there's anything you want to hear about let us know if there's anything that you don't like us doing let us know we're all ears and uh, we'll be putting out podcasts every week every tuesday sydney time coming out at nine o'clock, whatever time that is where you are. We're hitting sort of 60-odd countries around the world, so I'm not sure what time zones people are in, but I really appreciate you guys listening in and subscribing. But anyway, for now, stay safe. I'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.